What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. And we're now on YouTube! So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Chroma Squad is the game for this week's episode. Chroma Squad is a tactical RPG slash sim. It draws a lot from games that we've talked about, like the Banner Saga, uh, the South Park games, the newer ones, Stick of Truth and Fractured But Whole, the Disgaea franchise, and then, of course, roots in things like Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy Tactics. The game was originally released in April of 2015 on PC, Mac, and Linux, And then in May of 2017, it came to mobile, iOS and Android, and PS4 and Xbox One. And then finally, in August of 2019, it came to Switch. There was a Vita version that was planned, but it got canceled during development, unfortunately. The game was developed by Behold Studios, and they're a small studio, and they base in Brazil and Canada. They kind of have like a dual setup going on there. And they've developed other games like the Knights of Pen and Paper series, the Galaxy of Pen and Paper series so they're like D&D sims uh the publishing of the game originally it was kickstarted so it was self-published and then at some point Bandai Namco came in and there's an interesting story behind this because there was kind of a rights dispute or a possible lawsuit coming from Sabin which did the Power Rangers because this game is clearly based off of the Power Rangers if you see it uh, and we'll definitely talk about it but they negotiated to give Sabin royalties and then on the game it actually says under Chroma Squad inspired by uh, Sabin's Power Rangers so it's interesting I'm not sure all of the details about that it's also interesting because I believe uh, the original Japanese uh, Power Rangers TV show was also done I think under Bandai so there might be some connection there. The game had a physical release with Super Rare Games on Switch in August of 2020, and that was just the standard edition in the box, but it came with cards and I think a booklet. The game was released with a price point of $14.99 on Steam and consoles. The mobile version, I believe, is $4.99 on iOS and Android, and that Super Rare Games edition uh, is $34 US equivalent. Runtime of the game, if you're just charging through just beating the story 
uh, not trying to do a lot of customization or anything like that. Somewhere between like 12 and 13 hours, but there's a lot of things you can do here. Uh, you can certainly mess around with customization uh, with your characters, maybe even spend like 25, 30 hours in this game potentially. Me, I bought this on Switch on sale for $5.24, a nice, nice price. I've put in about five hours, maybe a little more. I am somewhere in the second season, uh, I think in like the second episode. And in terms of recommendation, no one really pointed this game out to me. I had seen it on PlayStation and on Switch. I love tactical games. There was something about this game. I'm a big Power Rangers fan from back in the day. The game looked like it had a lot of character. There's a lot of fan service. Made me wanna dive in and check this game out. All right, let's talk gameplay for Chroma Squad. So this is a tactical RPG, and we'll talk about the different facets. Obviously, that will involve battle, the customization of your characters, and then also the sim elements that make this game super charming. So let's start with just some basics. When you're playing this game, it's going to be a top-down isometric view, pretty much always in battle and also when you're in your hub. Every button on the controller is used, and I am playing this on the Switch. Sometimes my hand may have cramped a little bit, but I think that's just me and the Switch. But you'll be like cycling through things, whether on the R1 or L1 or R2 or L2. When you're in the hub, each button is going to have like a different window or a different thing that you can go to. There'll be a lot of on-screen options, and if you're playing on the Switch, you can do touchscreen. You're pretty much going to always be back at your hub, and this is where you'll be able to do pretty much everything except obviously go into battle. So you'll be customizing your characters with armor, equipment, and abilities. You'll be upgrading the hub. You'll be customizing uh, different things that the hub can do or look like or give benefits for. You'll be going to the shop, getting weapons, armors, and materials. You'll be crafting, um, and then some other advanced options. But let's talk progressing in this game. Going into the battle, is like episodes so you're going to record an episode and that's basically you going into a battle level so when you're not in the hub you're going into an episode and you're going to do a, a tactical battle and when you look at what's coming up on the next battle uh, you'll be seeing a description you'll be seeing like bonus things and main objectives that you have to do but basically when you go into battle you're just going to have to defeat all the enemy now what's interesting is when you choose to go into the episode sometimes you'll have multiple options it'll be like you can do this one first this one first or this one first but the thing is you're gonna have to do all of them so the real agency is just like what order you go into them some of these quote-unquote episodes are in successive parts so it's like you would go in and do a battle and then you'd have to like go on to another battle and then another battle and it tells you like oh this is a two-part or this is a four-part um so if you want to do the single ones and maybe bolster up your characters and then go into the multi-part one you can do that and then once you finish that battle you'll go back to the hub 
and you'll get rewards from that battle. These rewards will be like uh, money, fans, some dropped items, which are materials, and then you'll kind of start the cycle all over again. And so when you go into battle, it's an episode, and there'll be seasons. And so what you're going to find out pretty much right away is that this is like kind of filming a TV show. And each season is going to be, I think, like four to six episodes. And then the last episode is going to be the quote-unquote finale, and it's going to have a bigger payoff of your rewards. But what's interesting about the seasons is that as you progress into the second or third season, you'll start to unlock ability tiers for your characters and also different upgrade options for your hub. So let's talk about your characters because this is a tactical role-playing game, so you're going to have characters, and you're going to have five. And what's going to happen is at the beginning of the game, you're going to choose who those five are. You're going to be like looking through actor portfolios, and they're going to show various stats and how they're distributed, different quirks that they have, and different bonuses that they might get, and you're gonna put them in the different roles by hiring them. And you're gonna assign them to a specific class. So you're going to be able to get five characters, and there are five different classes. Like you'll have the scout, or the leader, or the assault person, or the tactical person, or, or something like that. These are interesting because it's trying to clearly emanate Power Rangers, but you can really mix and match. Like you might look at some of these characters and think, oh, that guy would be really good for this role or she would be really good for that role. But the classes are kind of vague. Even if you don't put someone in what is quote-unquote the right role or they would have been better for another role, it really doesn't matter too much. It's just like vague stat preferences and you may really want to go all into that and pick the right characters if you want. So your characters will have different stats. You'll see their hit points, their attack, their weapon attack, their movement, uh, their crit percent, dodge percent, counter percent, and skill regen. And these are going to be influenced by armor and weapons. Now, armor is pretty much just going to give you minor upgrade iterations. So you're going to start with all your characters having a set armor. Uh, I think there are like four pieces of armor. It's like chest, legs, arms, and helmet. Wearing armor will give you some basic stat upgrades uh, depending on what the armor is. It might upgrade your health. It might give you you know, a higher crit percent or anything like that. Weapons, when you get them, they're basically just going to give you battle abilities. And armor and weapons you can buy from the shop or you can craft them. Now, I'm not sure the consistency of like when higher weapons or armor are available in the shop or available to craft, but I think as you progress into different seasons, you'll get like higher tier things available to you. Crafting is interesting in this game. So when you go into battle and when you're going to defeat enemies, you'll be getting materials. So like when you kill an enemy, like you drop its HP down, like the enemy will disappear and like an item will appear and it'll say like, oh, you got duct tape or you got this or you got cardboard or something like that. Those are the materials that you're going to use to craft certain things. And you can also recycle your old equipment. So once you get a better sword or get a better helmet or equip a better gloves, you can see if any of your other characters might be able to use those gloves. And if not, then you can recycle them and get some of those crafting materials. You can also get crafting materials from buying loot boxes. Now you're not spending real money. It's money in the game. And these are really cool because if you feel like you're really close to crafting something, um, you can buy like a 200 or $400 one. And so these work out to be like a nice alternative if you feel like you're not getting enough materials from battle or recycling. And then there'll be some advanced hub options as you progress into seasons. Uh, like you'll get a mech, much like a Zord. You'll be able to upgrade it, much like you'll be able to upgrade your character's armor. And then you have these sim elements. So what's interesting about this game is that you are managing a TV show. And so your hub is actually your studio. When you finish finish a battle or an episode, you're going to get rewards for that, and that's going to be money 
and fans. Now, fans are converted from your audience meter in battle, which we'll talk about in a minute, but both of those things are going to drive what you're able to do in your hub and how you're able to upgrade. So let's talk about upgrading your hub. When you're in the hub, you can click studio, and basically what you're gonna be doing is spending money initially and per episode to upgrade specific things in your studio. And this is gonna have positive consequences for your characters, for how you gain audience, for maybe the amount of item drops you're getting in battle, and you can also upgrade the hub to allow for more upgrades. Marketing is a big thing in this game. One of the things you can do in your hub is hire a marketing firm. And these marketing firms are going to have specific activated abilities that you can quote unquote activate to give you more money, to give you more audience during the game, to raise the rate of audience conversion to your fans. And how this works is as you're going into episodes and going into battle, you wanna fill up the audience meter by doing things that that the audience is going to love and then as the episode ends you're going to get a certain amount of money and a certain amount of fan power for how well you do in battle and this fan power is going to be used to activate abilities from your marketing firm so you may be able to increase the amount of fan power you're getting each episode you might be able to increase the amount of money you're getting each episode and as you get more fan power in the game you'll think okay i should probably hire a better firm and they might cost more money but their activated abilities are going to give you better bonuses and let's talk about battles so once you go into the episode Episode, you are in battle and again the basic goal is that you have to kill all the enemies and sometimes the enemies will be one wave you just kill them all and then that's it sometimes there'll be multiple waves they'll start popping in again once you kill a certain amount and sometimes it's going to be a boss battle and that might lead itself to be a multi-part episode because it might be like okay kill all these enemies here and then this boss and then you'll find out like the boss has another form and you'll go to another battle so it'll be like a part two and the basic enemy types that you're going to see uh, much like Power Rangers, they're all going to kind of look the same, but they're going to have some variation. So there'll be ones that melee, ones that shoot, ones that are sort of heavier enemies that have higher stats. And then the bosses are going to be super unique. So this is a tactical RPG. So let's talk about the tactical grid. It's going to look just like a chessboard and battle is going to work in turn progression. So the way that that works is all of your characters, you'll have control of them and can do all of their things in your turn and then all the enemies will be able to go so it's not like back and forth it's just all yours all theirs and this is D&D based so if you know D&D rules on your character's turn they can move and do an action they could also move twice which would be a dash action they can move and do an ability the ability would be the action but some of your abilities that you're going to find are free action which is really cool but much like games like Banner Saga if you perform your action you can't move after so you have to move first and then do an action so if you're already in position you don't need to move but you won't be able to move after something else that your characters can do is the teamwork action and this can be really useful and it has multiple purposes one of the main ones is that it can extend your teammates movement and so if you have one of your characters and you put them in a certain spot and then you hit teamwork, they're going to sit there with like these yellow stars around them. And anytime you have a character that is moving around them, you'll see all of the spaces that your character can move to. But then you'll see spaces around the max movement of your character that are outlined that if you click your movement to them, what you're going to find is that the character that has been marked as teamwork is going to vault them. So it's like an extension of movement, basically. And what I really like about about this is they can provide extra movement for any of your characters so there's no limit to how many times they're able to do it but the other thing that the teamwork action can do 
is that they can attack with a teammate if they're adjacent to the enemy. So adjacent means in a nine square. So if we're talking about a grid here and your character is in a spot, all eight of the spaces around it, including diagonals and straight adjacent, are going to be deemed as adjacent. So if you have a character that has the teamwork action activated and adjacent to that character is an enemy that is being attacked by another one of your characters, they will join in on the attack and it'll be like a double attack or a triple attack. And that's a really good way to do extra damage. Now, if you have a character that attacks with teamwork activated, that ends their teamwork. So like the stars will go away. So you want to have some strategy here because you can really max out the teamwork action if you want characters to move further because you can extend characters' movements and it doesn't get rid of the teamwork action. And so what you do and the order that you do things is going to be important for strategizing and maximizing efficiency of this teamwork action. And this also plays a role in what's called a finishing move. The finishing move is when all of your characters are surrounding an enemy and you have teamwork activated by all of them and then you attack with the last one. That means they'll all attack at the same time and there'll be like a special cutscene. Something to be aware of when you're going about the tactical grid is when you're moving the cursor, there is some sensitivity. Like you really have to sometimes use the D-pad to scroll through because sometimes I thought I was going to attack somebody and I was actually just moving my character. What you find is that you actually can't go back. So just be very careful with the grid sensitivity and making sure that you're on the right block like it'll be highlighted in white the one that you're trying to click and if you highlight it over an enemy then you'll be able to attack that enemy so we talked about abilities and weapons and these count as actions but abilities are interesting because when you go to the hub and you look at your characters they're going to have sort of skill trees but it's not that you're like clicking which one they learn and whatnot you're basically just looking at the different tiers that you have available, and this is going to be based on what season you're in. So for season one, you're only gonna be able to activate abilities in the first tier. But then when you get to season two, you'll have the first tier and the second tier open. And some of your characters are going to have multiple options in that tier for you to pick from, but you can only activate one ability per tier. So a lot of your characters are only gonna have one ability in the season one tier. Some might have two. But as you progress further into the game, you're going to have options. Uh, and again, those abilities are based on the character class. So that's why it might be a good idea to really align the characters that you pick in the beginning with the class that they are best suited for. And abilities are going to take an action in battle unless otherwise dictated. So some of them are going to say free action. Weapons are going to be the same way. If you have a weapon equipped for your character, it's really just gonna give you a different attack, but it's going to be an ability. Now, abilities in general are going to range uh, in terms of what they can do. So some of them are going to be attack-based. They might have a unique range. Some characters are gonna have healing abilities. Some will have buffs, debuffs, etc. And in battle, you'll find that all of these things, abilities and weapon abilities, are going to have cooldowns. So you're not just gonna be able to use them every turn. And this is gonna vary depending on the particular ability. But once you use it, when you look at the screen back for that character on their next turn, it'll be like darkened out and it'll have a number like five or four. And that's just how many turns until you get that ability back. Some more advanced things we talked about, uh, mech upgrades, but there will be mech battles. And these are pretty unique. They're different from the tactical battles. They're going to be action command based. There will be some mini games. And this is a nice refreshing variation on the battle. It's really different and, and fun that it comes in here. But with battle in general, the idea is that you're trying to maximize your rewards. And this is where the sim element kind of synergizes here. Because you're trying to defeat all the enemies 
but you're also trying to kind of take some common sense from like, oh, this is a TV show, so you are also trying to show off for an audience. So you want to think that way and you want to do things that the audience is going to like. And the game will tell you this because certain things are going to negatively affect and certain things are going to positively affect. So something like losing your teammates, like if a teammate dies or goes down in battle, the audience isn't going to like that. So a lot of times you want to make sure that all of your teammates stay through to the end of the battle. Sometimes the finishing move is going to be a big thing, but if you use it before it kills somebody, like if you use it and it doesn't kill the boss, uh, the audience is going to kind of negatively react. Some other things, like you'll see when you go into the episode, there'll be director's notes, and these are like the side objectives or the optional objectives where it says like do x amount of team attacks or win in four turns or something like that and if you complete those along with the main objective which is just killing all the enemies you'll get sort of extra bonuses in your rewards when you're in battle a lot of this is going to be measured by the audience meter that's at the top of the screen and so you'll know when you do good things because it'll be like plus this because you did this just right as you do the attack right on the screen and in terms of accessibility uh, the game auto saves in between episodes but you can manual save once you're back at the hub and this is good because if you did some upgrades once you got to the hub uh, you want to make sure that you save those if you die in battle i'm pretty sure you can just replay it i don't know because i have not died there is the potential that there might be negative consequences for the audience but i'm not sure and i just like the pacing of just constantly upgrading things and you should be fine in terms of difficulty if you just keep customizing keep buying better armor it took me a little time to understand the strategy and sort of the grid efficiency and getting the best out of the audience but once you once it clicks for you it's really a lot of fun and you kind of get what the game is trying to get you to do. Let's talk about the vibe of Chroma Squad. So, like I said, this is clearly an ode to Power Rangers, and it has an interesting skew to it because you're not just playing a Power Rangers game, you're actually playing a TV studio sim. So you're not necessarily just Power Rangers fighting, you are behind the scenes making a TV show. So like your role as the player is kind of like the manager of this sim. But let's talk about the plot and the setting and some of the themes. Like I said, you're basically Power Rangers, but you are the stunt workers for the original series, um, although it doesn't necessarily name it by name. And so you, the stunt workers were just like, hey, we're done with this. We're going to break off and do our own show because we think we're good enough actors. And it's like an art imitation life because again like the run-in that they had with Sabin and doing a game that's like clearly inspired by Power Rangers but isn't Power Rangers in this game throughout all of it the fourth wall is completely shattered it is obvious that you are in a studio and that you are filming this or sometimes you'll see like lights drop or like things that clearly you know breaking that uh, illusion there and in the dialogue somebody will show up onto the battle like not in their costume and your characters will be like why isn't he in costume so like everything is right in front of you it really doesn't take itself too seriously it breaks 
makes that illusion, but it makes it really funny and charming. There's this back and forth. Sometimes the visual effects will work, sometimes they won't. But when they don't work, like the characters comment on it and it's like live and it's like there's a recording. So it's like, I don't know how the show, quote unquote, is being edited, but there's definitely a lot of breaking. Um, You'll definitely see the cameras and like the staff around in some battles. But with all of that, it's it's really up-tempo. It's really silly. It's really charming. There's something about all of the charm of being like, hey, like this game is knowingly being silly and knowingly like a knockoff and knowingly all of this stuff. But I think it just works really well because it embraces it all. And it has some quick wit. The dialogue is really funny. When you do an action or when you have a conversation, like you'll see the characters like have a, a dialogue bubble pop up if it's just like reactionary or like a side comment. And it's really quick how it comes up like right away. Like something happens, like you'll do an attack and your character will be like, that didn't go really well or something like that. And it's obviously high energy because they're trying to be superheroes. So like everything is like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. Uh, the item descriptions, whether it's for the episodes, the characters, the weapons, all of this is really detailed and really in the character of the game of being like super cheesy and like high energy reminds me a lot of South Park like really attention to detail all of these little things adding to the charm and the materials that you use to craft certain things are like cardboard tape play-doh obviously these stunt people don't have the budget to do like a real show and so like they are making their costumes out of cardboard and so it's again not taking itself too seriously but still like making this a working thing and like they're really gung-ho these characters are like yeah we're making a great show and it's just it's funny how how it feels like the car is falling apart but it's still like a really enjoyable experience and from it being a tv show aspect obviously you have the audience you're trying to get a fan accumulation like you're doing the marketing at the end of each episode like you see like the twitter buzz or like the twitter equivalent pop up on the screen like oh yeah did you see that finale that was so great i love this show or something like that and you also answer emails from fans sometimes and i really like the back and forth there the audio in this game is so good truly epic music it's a cross between Mega Man x and shovel knight again high energy got that retro synth uh, positive energy some of these songs like i could just keep on a loop and then visually the game is super pixelated it's very obvious as soon as you turn it on it's super colorful i like that you can actually choose your ranger colors you're not like slotted into five specific ones the studio background like when you're in the hub is really fun like it starts out as like this bland gray but then as you start to upgrade things like you can upgrade and get a green screen and then you see the green screen and then you see like the mech there Um, So you start to see the studio itself get populated. Um, Sometimes when you're in the hub, you also see some of the actors running back and forth doing whatever. Um, So it just adds a lot of charm there. One complaint I have is the text is super small. Like I'm playing it on the Switch. And so when it's undocked, it can be tough to read things sometimes. I can imagine that that would have been worse on the Vita, as much as I really would have loved a Vita port. And the animations in this game, the characters are very alive, very vibrant. And when you do the teamwork action, your character will like sit in a pose and they all have their own unique poses. And it's really cool because they're like hamming it up as well as when they're attacking in battle. Again, just attention to detail, I think, is what makes this game truly, truly charming.
All right, let's wrap up the conversation about Chroma Squad. This is such a charming game. As I was playing this game, I'm constantly smiling. I'm constantly getting entertained by what's in front of me. It really has the same energy as like Saturday morning RPG. Just like positive, just really fan service, especially if you're a Power Rangers fan. And what a concept this game is. Like not taking itself too seriously, clearly breaking the fourth wall, but using that as part of the game. Like you're combining a tactical role-playing game with like a TV show sim. Like you are managing a TV show. And so you're managing marketing, you're answering emails doing things like that. What you can do with your characters and the upgrades of your studio, there's a lot of depth, there's a lot of customization, and I find that really fun. Like, I like Sims. I'm a big Stardew Valley fan all the way back to Harvest Moon. Like, I love Sims. I love different things that I can customize and make it my own. And so this game really brings a lot of that, and I really dig it. Some possible sensitivity issues with the grid... Uh, really take your time when you're planning your battle or where your character's gonna move. There were definitely a couple times where, like, I moved somewhere and I didn't mean to do that. And the tiny visuals went in handheld mode on Switch. Uh, this is on Steam, so maybe the Steam Deck might have similar issues. It could just be me. I'm getting old and my hands aren't what they used to be. In terms of value, 15 bucks for this game I think is great value. It's a great price point. If it's ever on sale, I think it's an absolute steal. Whenever I've seen it on sale, I've seen it for like under eight bucks, which is like a no-brainer. I think this is a great bite-sized tactical role-playing game with a lot of depth and so much entertainment. And so I highly recommend that you play this game. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for.